couple of quick notes off the top for you loyal OHL stories listeners who are consuming this the very day it is released. It's Don Cameron Potato Night. 25th anniversary celebrating the man from Prince Edward Island and Darcy Harris, who was a member of the Kitchener Rangers when all of this began. Anyway, 25th anniversary, obviously you can't do it at the rink, but you can donate online or at various grocery stores and other stores around the region of Waterloo. So everybody in Rangers Nation, make a donation in memory of Mr. Cameron. You'll remember that he was always fond of saying on Don Cameron Potato Night, because the idea was to bring bags of potatoes to the hockey game. He says, yeah, but you can bring money too. And bring the paper stuff, because it's a lot lighter than a bag of potatoes. So He was right. He was never he was right. Not often wrong, that guy. No. And what better way to support local as we are still knee deep in this pandemic, maybe nipple deep at this point, um, than supporting Don Cameron Potato Night here in Waterloo Region. I don't think there's a better way to support local than someone who gave back so much locally, both through the broadcasting and through his House of Friendship uh, allegiance and this Don Cameron Potato Night. There is no better way to give back and support locally than Don Cameron Potato Night. So make sure to do your part. Please don't ever mention your nipples on this podcast again if that's okay just a little request from me don't do that, that there's either. for the viewers <laughs> um did that's you see the did, see the see the rangers posted a, a video of uh, darcy harris wearing his ranger jersey out on an outdoor rink talking about don cameron potato night so great and you know awesome. you, you talk about the house of friendship which of course is the charitable partner and the february potato blitz is underway and you mentioned local and here in the region but listen the Ontario Hockey League is a community. And because this is virtual, I, I know, especially if you're in London or Guelph, to go to KitchenerRangers.com is, you know, and I'm not trying to shill for the team. That's just a great cause. If you're an OHL fan and you want to support something that the OHL team in Kitchener is doing, and in memory, of course, of Don Cameron, just go to KitchenerRangers.com. You can make a donation right there. And you're helping out those who are uh, food insecure with this all-important February potato blitz and Don Cameron potato night always a great cause and i'm sure you and i will uh make sure our donations are given properly in a way that don would like one more quick note (laughs) absolutely paper form uh one more quick note on the waterloo region front but this is a former peterborough pete stevie lorenz little stevie nhl debut the carolina hurricanes was it the covid bump we call it last night because there were so many players down that lorenz came up but good on this kid who just worked hard the guy worked his tail off i believe now i'm going off the top of my head but i think he was a 12th rounder into the o i think he really was 12th rounder anyway pete's got him he had a great career there played his entire career with the pete's off to the carolina hurricanes and made his nhl debut last night uh steve's cousin zach started his ohl career with the kitchener rangers cup of coffee in peterborough finished up with plymouth had a pretty wicked backhand that Zach Lorenz did, but Stevie was the player and he gets to skate in the show last night. Pretty cool. And stick top to his parents as well. Cause if you were to ask me in the six years, I've covered this league in Kitchener. If you were to ask me, maybe my top five players to interview, I would put him in my top five. I think he was just such a kind individual, respective, gave good answers, thoughtful. Um, respective was a big one. Um, and I, I think, 
he was just a great kid. I don't have a bad thing to say about him as a player or a person. So congrats to him for sure. All right. Our, uh, our podcast guest this week is, well, speaking of the Maritimes, he's another, we got another Islander. We just talked about Don Cameron and Darcy Harris. Another Islander will be featured, played in the Eastern Conference of the Ontario Hockey League and just a, a whole lot of fun, but we'll get to more of that in a bit. Yeah, real quick. I just want to ask you, we talked a bit about the NFL last week and I was going to ask you, Brady winning an NFC championship, does that solidify him as the greatest of all time? Look, I think that I've been, uh, I, I've, I've hidden very poorly. Well, I, I don't know how you can actually argue against it. I always have, and I always will for two reasons. One, I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. So obviously when Tom Brady and the New England Patriots are preventing some of your good teams over the past decade from making it to the Super Bowl. It's annoying. And the second thing is, and I don't have any reason for this. Maybe it's just because his team was always beating my team or preventing my team from having success, but I don't like Tom Brady. I think there's something about Tom Brady that beneath the surface is going to turn out to be horrible. I don't know what he does or what he has done or if he's ever done anything. It's just this sense. I don't like the guy, but you cannot dispute. I couldn't dispute before this year. But if you were even a shred of doubt before this year, uh, you you should stop doubting because Tom Brady is without question. The, the stat, the only stat that you need to know is that as of uh, Sunday, February the seventh, sixth, whenever the Super Bowl. Oh no, that's gonna be the yeah seventh, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, Tom Brady will have appeared in eighteen percent of all the Super Bowls of like of all of them. Like, yeah. just think about that for a second and then remember that he's the GOAT. I, I'm, I'm with you. I've always, I shouldn't say always, more recently, I've fought the idea that he is the greatest of all time. One, because I am a New Orleans Saints fan. And two, because the New Orleans Saints' most famous quarterback, Drew Brees, has more passing yards and more completions than Tom Brady. As a job as a quarterback, your job is to get completions and travel down the field. Yes, Tom has more touchdowns. That goes to the fact that he had so many great defenses in New England. And yes, he has more playoff wins and more Super Bowls and all that kind of stuff. But that's because he had a good team. You put Drew Brees in that scenario or Aaron Rodgers in that scenario, we're not having the same conversation about them. Is he the best quarterback at that? Or is he the best person at that position? Has he had more yards and has he had more completions? That's my argument for Brees. I am losing more and more ground by the day on that argument because of what Tom Brady has done. Tom Brady has spent one season in the NFC and Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, and Tom Brady all have the equal amount of NFC championships. One. This dude just gets it done. It doesn't matter. Yes, he has another great defense in Tampa Bay, but the dude just gets it done. When I was watching that game, as soon as I saw, I told, I said it last week, but I said, as soon as I saw New Orleans go down and start off the game with two field goals, you get in the red zone twice against Tom Brady and you walk away with two field goals, you're losing that game. He's going to make you pay. You, you really put it well and, and are admitting what it's so hard for people that just want to hate on Tom Brady to admit, right? Cause yeah, you're right. You can, you can pick another lane and your lane is a, is a pretty good one, right? Complete passes, gain yards, move down the field, et cetera. What you cannot overlook. And, and I think Aaron Rodgers put it really well when the two met in the regular season. And he's like, look, it's not really who's the better quarterback or am I going to beat Tom Brady or is Tom Brady going to beat me on Sunday? It's a couple of teams out there that will play yeah. one another. The quarterback, while the star or often the star is just one piece, one cog in the big machine. Having said that, you, 
just look at the the championship, like the success, like the AFC championships, the NFC championship. Now, this he he might, although no, he will, right? I'm sorry, Patrick. You got him in the AFC Championship last year. You're not going to beat Tom in the Super Bowl. So he's going to have yes, seven rings. No, he won't. Kansas uh, City's I, winning that game. Kansas City so. is a juggernaut. I hope so. But they man. embarrassed the Bills last week. What was they the number? Four, this is his, that was his 14th championship game, right? That Some he played like that. in? Who, it's like, hard to I, keep track I, anymore. It's just, this it's, is it. It's just, insane. yeah. And, and the, um, the Chiefs may have embarrassed the Bills, but those were the Bills. I, they're, they're, I'll tell you what, even if, and I, I suspect and I certainly hope that Kansas City wins because it's time to pass the torch and, and Mahomes is, is a hell of a player, but you're not going to embarrass the Buccaneers and, and Tom Brady. It's just not going to happen. Maybe not. I think that defense is a lot better than Buffalo's defense. And I know Bills fans won't like me saying that, but Tampa's defense is next level in my mind. I just think... That Kansas City offense is just way too, way too powerful. They are unbelievable to watch. It's, it's a lot of fun to watch. That's for sure. Even if you're not a football fan, if you, if you're just a casual football fan, or you, if you're not, just watch that get, watch that team play, and you'll become a football fan. Can we just talk real quick again? Because it's a good thing we started with Don Cameron, Potato Night, and Steve Lorenz, the former Pete's NHL debut. Because it sounds like a football podcast right now. Yeah. And well, anyway, we talk I'm, about all sports during the pandemic. I'm sure this has been talked. To death but is the outcome different i always go back to the the famous tuck rule game against oakland way back in the, the first one that new england went on and i'm like tom brady got lucky to start and he's been lucky ever since even though he's the goat but you got to admit it, like i've i've never played a down of football in my life how does lafleur not go for it on fourth down uh, first fourth and goal like i you know like even even if you don't get the touchdown, you're no worse off than you had been doing what he did. You kick yep. the field goal, you're down by five. You, you go for the touchdown, you miss, you're still down by eight. And you're still a touchdown away from, like, it was bizarre. It made right. no sense. And he's an NFL head coach. Well, it's because, yeah, it's because you don't have the MVP at quarterback. Oh, wait, you do. <laughs> and doesn't that just change? Well, of course it changes everything. If you get hit in, obviously, everything. and it's a tie everything. game. So it's two and a half minutes. Yeah, sure. Tom ball in his hands, two and a half sure. minutes to play. That's what you want. But everyone's worst nightmare. Yeah. Right. But still what they you. did to themselves. Oh my goodness. Shot in the foot. I got two more other things for you. Okay. Did you see Matthew Kachuk fall on Frederick Anderson the other night? I missed that one, but I saw the more recent, uh, Jake Muzzin flipping back game. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I was going to ask you if you felt like he, meant to fall on him and if you thought it was malicious because certain fans and media were making a big deal out of it and I didn't really think it was that big of a deal especially as a goaltender I think just because it was Matthew Kachuk and I feel like he's got that reputation I don't think it was a big deal it was a non-play there was a skirmish in front of the net he fell on him if did he mean to sure it wasn't like he was trying to hurt him it's like he need him in the head or in the neck he was on his back it wasn't a big deal but as long as you can recognize because you already mentioned now the reputation of one Mr. Matthew Kachuk. That's what's driving all of this. So even though I haven't seen the highlight, uh, I guarantee you he meant to do it. Okay, fair. So. Next thing I have for you, it's gaining a lot of attention online. The uh, NWHL 
starting off their season in a bubble. The Toronto Six lose their first game, get shut out. Women's hockey, there's a lot of talk about pushing women's hockey and getting it up to closer anyway to where men's hockey is, getting the recognition for these ladies in the game they play. One of the people behind that push for right or wrong is the CEO of Barstool Sports. Barstool Sports, love him or hate him, has been successful, but also comes with a laundry list of but this, but this, but this. I won't get into it all. I'm just saying, do you think Barst or the NWHL's allegiance, if you, it's not an allegiance, do you think Barstool's support of this league is a benefit or a takeaway? There's that old saying, no press is bad press. But uh, in this case, in particular, I don't think that's baggage you want to bring with you. I would get so far away from that. Uh, I mean, I don't think I need to document the the challenges uh, that such a relationship would present. And and quite frankly, when it comes to the women's game, I got I got two words for you. Natalie Spooner. So I had the chance to be a part of a charity event where Natalie was playing and she picked up a puck just inside her own blue line. And again, it's a charity event. You don't have even other high caliber female hockey players against you, but still she went down that wing over the line, pun intended bar down. And it was, it was enough to make you go, Whoa, as a hockey fan. So, I say that just for any naysayer. Yeah, of course it's a different game than the men's game that we've grown so accustomed to. But the the caliber is excellent. It will make you stand up and say, whoa, every yeah. now and again. So I, I personally think this is something that the National Hockey League should be fully invested in. Kind of like you have your NBA and your WNBA. I think that's kind of where we need to go with this. And I would stay so far away. No offense to Barstool Sports. At least not much offense, but I wouldn't do it. I'm with you. I agree with you. I think any public or any pub is good pub, but there's uh, far too many negatives surrounding that brand. And they're, uh, for lack of a better word, white supremacy, allegiance, to their uh, misogynistic past, to all of that stuff that, that you just don't want to be associated with it. I think they're doing, they turned a corner a little bit to become a little more mainstream as of late. And I, I listen to Spit and Chicklets. I like their podcast, but that's about as far as it goes for me. I, I just don't think you want, starting off a league, you don't want to be aligned with that brand in particular. So it's worth noting, Popper, just before we uh, introduce this week's guest, this episode is less than a week from when the Ontario Hockey League had last said, we hope to start. And they never said firmly, but February the 4th was going to be the day they were shooting for. We know that's not going to happen. A lot of players now, we're hearing about more and more of them, are jumping overseas, trying to find places to play. And listen, I, I've been asking myself quite often, how are the players going to, like, it's one thing to go to the gym, it's another thing to be in game action. So I'm kind of on team player in this regard go find a place to play uh, where they're going to take care of you and you're but i i just hope gosh do i hope that they stay healthy obviously uh while they're doing it that's the big thing is the health but i i love it personally because i put myself in their in their skates if you will you are trying to make the national hockey league and you've identified the ohl or chl as the best option to do so 
But now with no season, you have an opportunity to go overseas, see part of the world you haven't seen, play good hockey, competitive hockey, get yourself in a game shape. We're already seeing it in the National Hockey League where the players that went overseas during the off time to play, even at, before the season started, even just for a couple months, are already showing better than the ones that didn't because it's hard to emulate game scenarios and getting into game shape. And if you, these kids who are wanting to be drafted or even have already been drafted just want to get to that next level, I think it is just a, a great idea. The only issue is there's only so many spots. So a lot of the players don't have that opportunity. You got to be top of the line or you got to have good connections or a good agent to get spots over there, whether it be Switzerland or Germany or Russia or wherever you are. I just think it's a great opportunity for a kid that age that may not have that opportunity, if not for this global pandemic. I'm not going to lie. February 4th will pass with a little bit of a pang in my heart. I was speaking just today with Moose, Mike Reeves, the bus driver for the Kitchener Rangers. And I just said, I am at the point now where I'm missing all of this so much. I just want to go to Sudbury, man. Like, give me a road trip let's go. So, and I mean that for next season, like I will never take one of these trips, Popper, one of these bad cups of media room coffee, none of it for granted. I cannot wait to get back out there. Let's go to Lop Lops and Sault Ste. Marie. <laughs> yes, please. Hey, Just watch the cover charge. Wouldn't that be nice? That <laughs> would be nice. That would I, be nice. I know. February 4th, it seems so soon and it was something that we all had circled on our calendars. And now we just sit and wait for when that 25 game season is going to be announced like the WHL did. I don't know if we're going to have a season, but I'm I'm with you. Put me on a bus, send me wherever. Let's just get a season going where you and I can sit and argue about whether a penalty was a penalty or whether the fight should have happened or give me something. You know, I'd rather argue about that than talk about Tom Brady right now. It would have been a long bus ride if indeed it was a bus ride for uh, our guest this week on OHL Stories because he came from the Maritimes to play in the Ontario Hockey League. How did you find – this guy's a stone-cold beauty, period. He's such a beauty. You're going to love the stories for sure, and if nothing else, the accent. But uh, how did you unearth this gem? Well, I grew up watching him. That's how I unearthed him, (laughs) which may seem – And his jersey hangs in, uh, in Kingston. Yes, it does. It uh, hangs in the front Nax arena. And I, I did, I grew up going to his games and um, being able to talk to him for the first time like this was great. And, and if this pandemic carries on and there is no season and during the summer, if we're still doing this just to keep ourselves sane, I think we could get him back on and get some real stories out of him. Cause you mentioned he started off out East uh, in Charlottetown playing. And then if you'll bear with me and our, my apologies to any listeners overseas if I mispronounce any of these cities, but then St. John, Fredericton, Indianapolis, Kansas City, Utah, Syracuse, St. John's, Moscow Dynamo, Moscow Spartak, Toronto, Beale, Jokerit, Khabarovsk, Providence, Valpustria, Nottingham, Valpustria, Brampton, Oklahoma, Nottingham, and back to Brampton, and that's not including his NHL stops. I'm glad that you got some European cities in there because for a while you're talking all these American cities and I'm like, Popper, these, these are not anyway. No, they stuff. were, yeah, they were all <laughs> over. Um, and he has been all over. Started off as a member of the Kingston Frontenacs, 187 games, 665 penalty minutes. <laughs> and that, those don't include the ones, as you'll hear in one of his stories, that he would have been assessed against his 
own team. Own team. <laughs> because yep. he wasn't shy about and, that sort of thing in practice. And he wasn't just all about the fights. 187 games, he also racked up 275 points in the Ontario Hockey League. He ran off the cities. He played in throughout over a 20-year career in semi-pro slash pro hockey, 1,200 games, 2,700 penalty minutes, and a certified beauty. Ladies and gentlemen, ring my ding-a-ling, David Ling. A 20-plus year uh, career playing the game. Um, It all started where you are right now, out east. What was it like growing up out there? You know, it was, uh, you know, the early 80s. It was not much to do besides play hockey in, in PEI, all of Canada. And, you know, it was just uh, the dream was far away. Where we, we didn't have a major junior team back here and we at that time. And the dream was far away. We didn't realize how close it was until we did end up going away. And, and you know, I we had the opportunity to pick three of the three leagues in the CHL and I always watched the OHL and my, my idols played in the OHL. So it was like, I, I always wanted to play in the OHL. I didn't want to play in the Quebec league and the Western league was too far. So, you know, it, it worked out. Who were some of those idols that you were watching back then thinking, I want to be like them and play in that league? Well, you know, we, we used to get the games with the, the Oshawa generals. So it'd be Rob Pearson, Eric Lindros, all those guys. So it was, those were the guys, the big guys that you, that I wanted to, 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 you know, go to the OHL forward and be there and play against people like that. Five nine, you wanted to be like Eric Lindros <laughs> in the same league. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I always thought I was six five anyway. So certainly played that way. What was it like playing with his brother? You know, I ended up I ended up playing with him in St. Mike, so I became friends with him before I we ended up going to the the OHL. And you know, he was uh, he was a, he was a he was a, he was a good friend, and he you know he didn't. Uh, he wanted to be his own self. He wanted to bring up his own uh, memories and not be Eric's brother. And, and I think it was, it was tough being Eric's brother at the time. Chris and I talk a lot about the teams in the Ontario Hockey League and how cities and fans kind of adopt them, right? Like there, there are players, there are guys, they play for our city. And what we forget, of course, I think a lot of the fans a lot of the time is that these kids come from far and wide. Some of them are playing in U.S. markets now, but they're originally from Ontario. Some of them come in from Thunder Bay and all these different things. But you coming from across the country, really, to, to central Canada anyway, into the Ontario Hockey League, what was it like for a young man of that age leaving home to come to an entirely different province to play? Well, you know, I, I, and I, I did go to St. Mike's the year before, and I did get, uh, you know, I did run into a little couple issues with, uh, with the team. But I also, you know, I was in Toronto coming from PEI, and it was, it was overwhelming, and I did get homesick the, the, the first year. And I, I went back into Kingston knowing that it was going to be a smaller town, and, and I wanted to play in the OHL and knew that I had to make some, uh, some choices and, and, and leave home at an early age. And, you know, I, I – I think it's I, I I wouldn't do it any differently. I wouldn't wish my 16-year-old leaving and going to Ontario from PEI now, but so be it. Being in Kingston back in those days, what was it like? Well, you know, I was you know I was coming from PEI. I, I I enjoyed I enjoyed socializing. I enjoyed going going out. There's three three universities and and uh, and the locals, and it, it was I compare it to Halifax in the East Coast. It's uh, it's a, it has a big, it's big city with a small town feel. So it's, it was, 
I really enjoyed it. I, I, there wasn't there wasn't one negative. I had ended up having great billets that I became lifelong friends with and 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 family what whatnot. And you know, I I hear some horror stories, and you hear more horror stories in the media. And I and I never went. I never saw it, and never went through it, and never heard about it. What would you describe as your welcome to the OHL moment when you realized, okay, I'm in this league now? You know, the, the story I tell from my first training camp was coming from PEI. You know, you have no, my dad wasn't there. I wasn't watching, but then he, I had a phone. So, or uh, you'd call him after the, after the game on the phone. And I ended up, my first scrimmage, we were playing a black and white game. And I, my first scrimmage, I got in a fight and I got pounded. And I got home and, and I said, dad, I got beat up. And he goes, well, just go fight the guy again, again tomorrow. He goes, I can't, I'm, I'm on the same team. So we talked about it and he said, do it in the do it in the warm up. So I, the black and white game, and I went over into the corner with the guy in my own team for the next scrimmage that beat me up last the last game and pushed him against the glass and said, "Let's go." And then from that day on, internally with Kingston, they just thought I was absolutely bonkers. <laughs> I don't <laughs> so know if that that it, wasn't it, just in Kingston. It helped. <laughs> but, <laughs> and then it just continued on throughout the league. <laughs> a a two part question: Were they right, and who was that guy? Not bonkers. I was an entertainer. Ah, <laughs> I don't remember. I, I don't. Th- he didn't make the team. He didn't make the team. And uh, whenever I tried to to do some research to find out the name, I never never came up with a name. Did you win that second fight? A tie. Tie. So that's a that's a win. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't, it ain't a loss. That's for sure. You said you said it helped. What does that mean? Like, did it did it cement your reputation with that team in the league? What did that do for you? I think that uh, the style of play that I played, I, I played a game where you know I was in people's phases, and there wasn't much that I wouldn't do. And and I think part of it was entertaining, part of it was an act, part of it was what I had to do. And I think that just getting the word spread around that he'll fight his guys on his own team, and he's you know he's he's unpredictable. It's, I think that it, it did, it took, it, it, it traveled around the leg. And I think that becoming unpredictable was, was very, very beneficial in, in my game all the way through my pro pro career as well as they didn't know if you were going to get, if you had to fight, get stuck in the back of the legs, whatever. It, it was just, and I didn't even know. So I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't help, help them either. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned that fight. Um, normally when guys in this league, they'll, rookies they feel like they could fight so they tried a couple times and uh if they lose that fight they tend not to do it again but you once said that i think you lost your first 60 ohl fights why did you keep doing it well i i call it the process it was i i learned i i learned how to get beat up then i learned how not to get beat up and then i learned how to throw back and, and be offensive and, and and win some fights so it was, a, it was a process and it took over 60 games but i i really had no fear i really enjoyed you know, just, I was five, nine. And I always won because I was always fighting bigger guys and I was supposed to lose. So if I did lose, it was like, Oh my God, you, you have big balls to show up. And, and so it was, it, that, that helped me to go to the next one, knowing that I wasn't looked at as a, as a failure. I looked, I was looked at as being brave and, 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 and I wanted to play in the NHL. And I knew I had to, I knew I had to fight to get there. Obviously we, we have to talk about that. NHL career and so much that happened uh, after it. You had to have a well-packed suitcase to be sure. 
But you talk about this kind of game that you played, David, and the game is clearly different today for, for a lot of good reasons. But what do you think of the game that you see today compared to the game, especially the style that you played back when you played? You know, it, it, I'm, I, I'm a believer in the game right now. I really I love how the, the, the game is so fast and so skilled. I, I, I really – I got to play in three gener- – three, eras where you know I, I got to see the development of the game and I got to see where it came from and where it went and and I when you sit back and I look at it I, I don't know how it's going to get much better but it will but you know the, the players now coming out the, the, the young kids at you know 19 20 21 that are making a huge impact and being the best players and the fastest players and the, and the guys like if I'm if I'm picking a team now I'm, I'm picking big and so, big and fast and if I can't get if I can't get big, I'm getting fast. So it's, it's, it, you have to be able to skate in the game now. And I, and I really enjoy it. I do miss watching the, the battles, the one-on-one battles where you, you, you know, but you get to see some of it in the playoffs and it's, you get to see some body checking and, you know, for the, as we all know that the, the, the issues with the brain and, and, and I think it's for the better for, for, for the, for the kids coming up and for the, for the game itself, that it isn't as barbaric. Yeah barbaric in a fun way but barbaric as as it as it was in your time in kingston first two years over 250 pims in each year and then in your third year 135 points 136 penalty minutes if you were to score a goal or get in a fight those kingston fans obviously leapt to their feet which one did you enjoy most bringing them to their feet scoring a goal or getting in a fight I love, I, you know, I love scoring goals. I, I, I still do in, in direct league and I, and I, I, it's just a feeling that you can't really, I love, I love scoring. I, I like passing, but I, I like scoring a goal, but you know, they used to, they used to ding the bell when my gloves came off in Kingston and it was, you know, you, you hear the bell and the, the crowd gets up and that's a, that's a feeling in itself as well. And you're able, especially when you win the fight and you are able to raise your hands off after the, after the fight and the, everyone's looking at you and, and, and cheering for you. It's, it's a good feeling, but definitely, definitely a goal. I can't help but think we're talking about a guy that's five, nine, but scrappy likes to drop the gloves, prefers scoring, but likes to drop the gloves. Two huge names associated with the city of Kingston, Don Cherry, who loved the rough stuff, Doug Gilmore, about five, nine played a scrappy game. How much did those reputations of those two guys linger around Kingston when you were there? Oh, you know, they, they, people didn't say Kingston without saying Don Cherry, Doug Gilmore, Kirk Muller. Those names came, came up every, every, every time that Kingston was mentioned. And it was almost like you had this uh, reputation to up, up hell and, 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 and continued on. And, you know, those are three big names in, in hockey that, you know, that, are still in the game really and, and, and have put a, put a legacy on their own. And, and I think that Don Cherry himself from, if you, if you say Kingston, you say Don Cherry in the same sentence. Growing up in PEI and you mentioned that first training camp of getting the wheels beat off you by the guy and then playing or have to, having to fight him again. Did you ever think at that moment that a couple of years down the line, you'd be winning the red Tilson award for best player in the OHL and going on to win the CHL best player? You know, coming from the coming from PEI, I did, and I and I reflect on it when I'm talking to people. And you know, I didn't have expectations because I didn't. I was ignorant. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know. You know, I, I, 
I thought the NHL was too far. I get to my first camp. I get to my first year. I go, you know, I'm not too far. And, I'm, and then the next year. So I didn't really look too far ahead. And, and because, I, because I was ignorant, because I was coming from PEI and really didn't grow up with how close the NHL was and seeing people next door neighbors making it to the NHL. And, you know, we didn't have very many guys. So I think being ignorant, I didn't look too far ahead. But I, you know, I, I, you know, I, I was a point, I was a point of guy, point of game guy my rookie year. So I knew that, or hopefully would, would, would improve. I didn't think I would win the, the, the player of the year, but I did think that I would be able to, you know, maybe get 50 goals. When you look back now, David, how did the OHL prepare you for the next step into the National Hockey League? I think that it's just uh, you're as a kid. As a kid, you have to mature as a player, and I think that seeing players ahead of you and on the same team make it to the NHL, or see how they prepared after they came back from an 18-year-old camp or a 19-year-old camp, or made the team and came back, and just seeing it and being able to experience what other people were experiencing, and 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 being able to use that and put it in your in your in your pocket for for later, I think that. That helped. I think that it, it, the OHL was, you know, it was, it was a, they prepared you to be a pro. I think it was, they, they, they treated you like a pro. You played, practiced every day or, so I think that that way it was, it was um, just through the, the experience was to, to, to help you get to the next level. I'm sure that style of play you had was what endeared you to the fans of Kingston. Um, I know you were a huge fan favorite up there. My parents tell me they used to sing a song of some sort in the stands when you were, whether it was scored a goal or got a fight. Do you remember that song? Yeah, ding-a-ling or something. <laughs> <laughs> it, followed me, it followed me around, but I also remember in Oshawa where they used to hang the rubber chicken over the, over the boards and it'd be, have my jersey on it. And So there's... Those are, and those are fun times, you know. If you go into a away rink and you're not getting abused, I, I felt like I wasn't doing my job. Was that the craziest thing in an away rink that you saw? Was a rubber chicken with your jersey on it? No, I was in uh, I was in Europe and they were like burning burning jerseys and stuff in the, in the crowd. <laughs> so it was like, <laughs> and they're in a cage in in Switzerland. They put the away crowd that are like the the soccer crowd that they put them in a cage. So they're like. A, and you can't, they're both, both teams are in cages and separated by security and they're burning jerseys and throwing beer. That's crazy. <laughs> That's normal. Okay. So since we're touching on the European experience, we want to talk NHL obviously too, but you spent a lot of years traveling to a lot of different places with your hockey career. What was the European experience like as a Canadian born hockey player? You know, every, it, it's funny because you, you go to one city or one, one league and you're like, wow, this is, you know, it's, it's a little different, but looking back and, and going through it, every league is, it was a good league. Every league was different. Every style of hockey was different. The closest to North America was in the, in the Finnish league. It was more North to South with some body checking. The others were East to West and a lot of regrouping and Russia was, uh, you know, fire drill with not a lot of coaching and, and just a lot of highly skilled skilled players so it was you know every 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 league had a had a pros and, and, and had a cons and I and and it, it gave me a better understanding of why some countries do better in the in the international play than others and I think that uh, being able to experience and see all the different styles um, 
you know, you know, help help my game. I mean, you know, a lot of guys can go over and do. I I was fortunate that every 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 country I went to, I ended up doing pretty pretty good. Where some guys come in in one country they can't play in because their style doesn't fit that way, and or they go to another country and and their styles they fit in and they and they do really well. So I was able to I think because my game is I never had to adapt my game to different countries because my game is slow. I wasn't a fast player. I was slower and I, I, I brought the game to my, my speed with, with my uh, puck handling and, 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 and different ways to bring the speed down to my game and delaying. And I think that helped because I didn't have to change from country to country. I, I, I slowed it down in, in, in every country where some guys have to either they're East and West and they're playing a North South game or, or, or whatnot. So it, it, it helped me going from country to country, I think. Obviously, you loved the game to play as long as you did and to go to as many different countries and whatnot. And there's a video on YouTube. I can only assume it was a mid-period scrape by the Zamboni or just before a shootout or something. And you come out, and judging by that smirk, I think you know where I'm going. You pretend like you're water skiing behind the Zamboni. Yeah, it was in England. It was in England. What? Where did that come from? I used to do it I used to do it in uh, – in, um in practice when the Zamboni was going by and the guys were on the bench waiting for it to be done. I, I used to, uh, to do it there. And we were, we were actually winning six or seven, one in this game. And the, the ref came out in between the second and third and, and slammed the, the door of the penalty box and the glass broke. So they had to big, bring the Zamboni out to sweep, sweep the glass up. So he's going around and I, I don't know. I don't know. Cause I never did it in England before. And I just looked at the guy beside me. I said, watch this. And what I went, <laughs> I think I think because it was such a spur moment, I didn't have time to think not to do it. So I just, it, but you know, it got, it went viral. So it was, it was, it was good. Going back to your time in the Ontario Hockey League, and this started with the the rubber chicken in Oshawa before we got into the crazy stuff you saw when you're playing in Europe and in opposing rinks. Uh, when you were at the fronts, Jens, Pete's, anyone? Who was the big rival? And what did it feel like going into those rivalry games? You know, we, we, we had, we had a lot of rivalry with Peterborough and North Bay and, and not, we, we did early, my first year we did with Oshawa, but it, it, it wasn't as the feeling of going into Peterborough and North Bay, you knew you were getting, uh, you know, you know, it was going to be a war. It was going to be, and those were the games that I enjoyed the most knowing that, you know, you didn't know what was going to happen or there was going to be a, a line brawl or, or, or a couple fights. It was the, the rivalry games, they call them derby games in Europe, but those were the, the fun games. They just add a little bit extra oomph to, the, to everyone. So it's just uh, the crowd's into it more. Uh, the players are into it more. You know, that, you know that anything can erupt at any time. So those were the games that everyone, everyone enjoys the rivalry games. Fans, players, coaches, everyone loves those games. Was there a guy or a couple guys – during your time in Kingston and sorry for the squeaking, my puppy's got a toy here. Um, was there a guy or a couple of guys during your time in Kingston that were those rivalry guys that, you know, before the game, you're like, well, player X, I'm, we're playing him tonight. looks like I'm going him. I, I was, I, I, not rivalry games, but every game I played, I knew I went down the, the, the lineup knowing which four or five guys were potential and knowing on the ice before it happened, I knew that I had to keep an extra 
extra minute or couple seconds on out of my eye, making sure that they they weren't around and and knew when they were on the ice and knew what if I wanted to 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 muck it up at the time that they were on. So every game I knew which guys, I knew which, and then I did homework on knowing if they were left-handed or right-handed. So it was people. People say it's spontaneous, but you do have you do, do you do do your homework on the other team, or I or I did anyway. For for a little while, David, it, you were the the last NHL linked to the Quebec Nordiques, having been drafted by the Nordiques organization. Uh, I know that's every player's dream. You talked about choosing the Ontario Hockey League because you didn't have great options back home in PEI. Obviously, the eye is to that next step, and we always hear that it doesn't matter what round it is you get called by an NHL team. What was your experience when you hear that the Quebec Nordiques want you to come and play for them? Yeah. You know, I was given the option of going in knowing that I was going to be a late round pick if, if I was going to be picked at all. And my agent gave me an option and, you know, me and my dad and my, my grandfather went up and knowing that there was a chance we were coming home empty handed, but you know, it was an opportunity that if, if it did happen, I didn't want to miss. And, when it did happen and my name was called, it was, um, you know, coming from PEI was surreal. I wanted to play. I wanted to play in the NHL. I wanted to be drafted. I wanted to, you know, to continue playing. And it was uh, when it, when it does happen, it's a, it's a feeling that is the the best feeling at that time. You know, you, you, at, if you asked me after the draft, what was the best thing that ever happened to you in hockey, that would be it. But then you play your first game when you score your first goal, you know, everything, everything, takes takes point above that so at that time it was a feeling that you're and you take experience with my dad and my grandfather was uh, something that you really can't you know they were dying for me to go to the Leafs being diehard Leaf fans but you know Nordiques they were happy enough did you have a bit of uh, a bit more swagger going back to Kingston after you were drafted uh I didn't lack swagger before I got drafted so I <laughs> <laughs> Once you got to play professionally, I mean, you, you don a Montreal Canadiens jersey. You end up with an expansion club like Columbus. But I asked before about the welcome to the OHL moment. After that draft and you hear your name called, what's, what's the time where you think to yourself or you realize, oh, man, like I'm in the National Hockey League here? Well, whenever I think about the, my first experiences, I, I get called up to play with the, the Canadians and it's a morning skate. And, you know, I'm, I'm like, I don't know if I should be out here. Like this, these guys, these guys are pretty good. And I, I was so nervous. I don't think I made one pass. I, I bobbled every pass that I got. And, you know, I'm, I can't sleep in the afternoon. I, I'm almost puking in during the anthem. And then as soon as the puck drops, hockey takes over and, and, and those nerves go away and, and you realize now that the, the, the game's on. So it's, it was, it was surreal. And, and, but a feeling that you, that you'll never forget. I'm not a nervous guy and I was nervous, nervous as hell. And, and it was, it was uh Saturday night, hockey night in Canada, Montreal, Boston coming from PEI. You know, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was crazy. It's, it's how much uh, excitement and, and fulfilling a dream that, you know, I, I played, I played that game 30 times on the street in PEI when I was eight, nine, 10 years old and raised the cup. I don't know how many times. And then finally to get to, to play and, and, and there wasn't many guys from the Island before me to play, which, you know, so it's, it was, it's an experience that you can't, you can't 
relate to and you can't tell people the feeling because they just don't understand. As a, as your family were or grew up big Leaf fans, what do they think of you putting on the Canadians jersey? <laughs> well, my dad almost told me I couldn't go. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was he he was there. He was my biggest supporter. So he, he but he he was a diehard Leaf fan, and and uh, and he and he and he passed. But he and he, he he said he'd never get to see the Leafs win the cup, and I don't know if I will or my kids will either. <laughs> e- easy, easy here. Come on, I'm still a Leafs fan. <laughs> I am. I I grew up a Red Wing fan because of Gerard Gallant, who's from PEI. But then I, because I've been in Ontario so much and, and so long that I, I I'm an I'm adopted Leaf fan, and I because you know so much about them, you hear about them on the radio, and and I really am a a, a Leaf fan now. If I had to had to pick a team, I I I'm more of a fan of the good player, of the of the good play of the you know I'm as more of the team. But I am a if you if I had to dig to one team, I would be a Leaf fan for sure. So I'm a I'm an adopted Leaf fan, not a bandwagon jumper because there's no bandwagon to jump under. <laughs> <laughs> when when well, you what was it like fast? Sorry, Mike. What was it like fast forwarding when Gerard Gallant was one of your coaches in Columbus? Well, it's it's funny because I it I wore 17 because of him. So I I came I wore it in minor hockey. I wore it in in. Um, Kingston I wore and my kids wear it now and and my nephews wear it and and it's all because of Gerard Land. So then and and now I'm friends with him and his him his wife and his and his kids we're we're, we're still friends but Dave King was coaching the first first half of the year when I when I got called up before I got called up and and he hated the way I played and he, and the day he got fired Gerard Land took over and I was up for a year and a half so it was was there an island connection? Absolutely, because Doug McLean was the president, Jimmy Clark was assistant GM, the travel guy was from PEI, and Turk was coach, and he's from PEI. So did I get was did I get a benefit? Sure did, but so <laughs> both guys. You need sometimes you need that little boost. It's funny because you Islanders tend to stick together, and rightfully so. I I worked for a while, and a guy that I admired greatly. Uh, in in this business and in this league was Don Cameron, who was the longtime voice of the Kitchener Rangers and came from Summerside. He always said it was the Summerside of the island. And I remember running into Gerard at a, I don't remember where we were, but then they just start going on about PEI this. And next thing you know, I'm pretty sure I was invited to Gerard's house at some point because I was just part of the conversation, but it's a tight group, eh? Yeah. And, and I'm from Charlottetown and Summerside's even tighter. They, and those are all, all those guys are from Summerside. So it's, and it's 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 a crazy small place that all these successful guys that that have made it through the through the national hockey league one way or the other and and it's it's almost like uh, you shake your head like how are they all from up there but they're all PEI there is a loyalty to to the homegrown and 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 we we do stick together and look out for each other and we still do I I still you know I I'm paying it forward I'd still reach out to the to the young kids that are from PEI plan and 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 just to say that if I'm not going to give you advice but if you want some feel free to call anytime whether it's on ice off ice whatever you ever thought of doing any coaching I did I and I I get asked all the time but I think I played too long to to come out and 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 to get the right opportunity but I do really I enjoy scouting the game I really like watching the the Bantam midgets and, and watching them to, to see where one play a game with myself thinking where will they play in the OHL what 
and whatnot. And, and I like, I like, I like watching hockey. I watch it all the time. I, and I like watching, I don't like watching younger than Bantam. I don't really in, enjoy it as much, but I like Bantam to midget where they're, they're really skilled and, and you can see the development and, and, and where they're, where they're going. I, I, I do enjoy that. So I scouting, I would do for sure. I, I really enjoy it. The pressures in the day to day can, take its toll on some players for a guy that played 20 plus years of pro to sit here and say that he loves the game so much that he watches all the time. And where, where did this love of the game and this extreme passion that you have for it come from? I don't know. Like everyone, people make fun of me. I'll play until I like a lot of guys, as soon as they retire, their skates go in the, in the garbage and they don't put them on again. And I'll play until the doctor says I can't play anymore. He'd rather it's rec league or, I just I, I love playing, I, and I think it's more the the guys, the, the the dressing room, the joking around on the ice when a guy f- trips and falls and or shoots and misses the net, or the goalie takes one off the head and you start abusing. You know, I, I that's what I miss, like in in the pro, and I think that's what I'd miss the most. I do love I do love playing, and I I would go out on the ice by myself and and shoot at the net still. So I I, I do love it. I don't know why I always did. I think that it gave me it also through the ups and downs of life. I think it gave me a place where it was it was it was a place where I got to push away all all issues and 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 be happy and 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 play hockey. Chris just talked about the length of that career, David, and we know as you've already said, starting out it's the Ontario Hockey League is sort of the destination which would be a stepping stone to the National Hockey League and you make it there. But it's not like you went over to Europe for a little bit and then just hung them up. You 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 hung in there and you played a long time. Is there is, is there a point where you kind of settle in and say, okay, I did the National Hockey League thing. This is where I'm at now, and this is where I'm I'm going to stay. And and you kind of accept the fact or or embrace the fact that you're going to travel country to country and keep playing this game. Well, I knew I wanted to play, and I think that you do realize over here in North America that there is a shelf life. For the for the up and down or the the minor later, there's a shelf life. You, you don't get to play in North America as long. The opportunity to one to to keep playing and two to make more money is in is in Europe for for those those guys. And I think that the lockout in '04 killed me in the in in North America. I, and I understood that, and it killed 200 other guys that were playing in NHL that that year before as well. And I realized that you know I it's it. I got I got asked a bunch of times before, and and I and I wanted didn't want to go too early, and I didn't want to put my NHL dream on hold either. So I I there there was times where I did think about it, and I realized when I got a big big offer in Russia after the after the, after the lockout, I think that that's what I knew that back then you definitely knew that when you left, you normally didn't come back. You mentioned Russia. We got to ask, <laughs> how crazy was it? Oh, I could write a book on just Russia, but it's, you know, there's, there's, there was some good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the money, the money. Yeah. And the game was really good. They were, they were skilled. Jaeger was there one year and they, they, they it was the second best league in, 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 in the world at, at that time. The skill level is, is crazy. The coaching's red rotten and terrible, but, but, and you can see it with the way they, they do fire drills in, even over here. And it takes a long time for them to, either learn the game or buy into the game. And, and I think that if they did have the proper coaching that they might be 
the the best hockey country in, in the world. They just lack lack guidance. Did you play against Yager that year? Oh yeah, Cup. He was in he was in Omsk, and we played against them five or six times. And we had a we had a game plan um, after the fifth game that he abused our twenty year old D. That we we had a game plan where three guys would just go on go on him, and you know we never beat them. He was so he was so good. I remember talking to uh, to Andre Benoit, former Ranger, about his time over in Russia, and he said sometimes the the travel wasn't exactly first class. You rode buses in the Ontario Hockey League. Obviously, you had your your time in the show. Uh, what what are some of your memorable experiences getting from game to game or place to place? Well, the de- that he he wasn't lying. Like the the. This was, you know, in the, this was 2000s in the 2000s. And, but, you know, you, you, you walk on the plane and the plane seats, like, go down like dominoes like they used to. And when we first started flying in 1980, 1990s, where the ashtrays were still on the on the seats and the bathrooms were steel and the ashtray was in the bathroom. So I, it, it, they took – I think they had, the U.S. sold them their, their graveyard planes and they took them and, 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 and flew them. But – there was there was one one incident in Russia. We were we were waiting on the tarmac for four or five hours, and no one spoke English. And I'm just sitting there going, "What the? What's going on?" And, and the, the stewardess walked by and gave me the. This was the Russian symbol for drinking, and the pilot had been caught drunk, and they were waiting to fly in another pilot. And I'm like, "Oh, left it. What am I into?" But fast forward, and, and sadly enough, the, the plane did go down the, the next year in Yaroslava and. But the, my first reaction was it should have happened earlier. There were so many bad planes, so many decisions that were made that shouldn't have been made. And but that was Russian, and Russia's Russia's Russia. But the, the city I played in in Habarovsk, it's near China. Our closest flight, our closest game, was a, a five and a half hour flight. Moscow was nine hours. So. I remember I remember Sports Illustrated doing a doing a thing on the Vancouver Canucks and their travel and I think ours was seven times what they did. Arzy and I always <laughs> complain about riding the bus up to Sault Ste. Marie. I think we'll stop complaining. No kidding. <laughs> well in in your time in Russia, how many times were you sitting there and just thinking to yourself, what am I doing? How many times a day? <laughs> Because it was it was daily it was it was daily. Yeah. Now, the if the money wasn't that good, you you wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't stay. I, yeah. I, I you know I'm a I'm a social guy. I wasn't a video game guy. And some guys stay in the their rooms or their apartments and play video games all day and pass the time. I couldn't. I had to get be out and about, and it 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 was tough. I can't help but think though, David, as you're talking about you know being in this city in Russia, not far from China. We talked about the Swiss league earlier and uh, England. And I mean, did you ever imagine that your hockey career would take this little PE Islander, this Charlottetown boy that far in this world? No, you know, I, and again, I I didn't look too far ahead, but I, you know, I, but the older you get, the more you appreciate these different countries. And, and, you know, I was in the, in the Alps, you know, 
having a beer at the top of the Alps and then, you know, skiing down and having a beer at the bottom of the Alps and having a beer beside the Alps. And, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so that, but every country had, was, was, had its pros and, and was beautiful. And, and it was, uh, and I think the older I got, the more I appreciate even, even, Ru- even Russia. When I first got to Moscow, I did the tourist thing and, and did trolled around Moscow on the double decker bus, learning about Stalin and Lenin and which buildings they put up and, and it was it was very it was very interesting for for two weeks, and then after two weeks it got really old. <laughs> Excuse me, around the hockey circles, it's the type of camaraderie that uh, you may not see a guy in ten years, but you played with him a decade ago, and then you see him and you just pick up right where you left off. As someone who obviously was a good teammate guy, liked to have some fun, stuck up for teammates, played hard. How difficult is you to keep track of all the teammates you've had? Well, social media helps a little bit, but you do. <laughs> but then again, as you know, Chris, there's only four or five guys you really like on each team. <laughs> <laughs> you like them at the rink, but you wouldn't hang out with them. So there's, yeah. there's not really that many. But no, you know, but even those guys you, you, you run into and, and you tell stories that, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to go too deep, but hockey stories are hockey stories and, and, and remembering a season with the guys and, and stories that happened on the ice when you were buddies. And, and as soon as you get to the rink, you're all buddies and you're all family and you all stick up for one another. You leave the rink and you may not really care for, for, for much, but you know, when I run into them, I, especially the older I get, the more, the more time to tell stories and, and, and reflect on, on, on your career and, and who you played with and where are they now and what, what they're doing. And he could have played in the NHL now, if he was, you know, if he, if he wasn't, if he was in this era, what, you know, th- those stories are, are still fun to, 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 to get into over a beer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Weird, yeah. eh? An Islander talking about a beer. <laughs> so, so since this door is now wide open and, and Chris made reference to it earlier is games of the week, which were apparently to watch his uncle, but the four or five had, guys. I think, on... I, had four, I think I had four that night. <laughs> four fights? Four goals, I think, oh. maybe. I think, the, I think the last one went from the corner over Belinsky. Was Belinsky a goalie in Kitchener? Yeah, Belinsky was for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it went over his shoulder, fourth one. I think that was game of the week in Kitchener, one of them. So uh, <laughs> what about this Steve Parsons guy? You must have known him a little bit. Is he one of the four or five guys that you liked on your team? Yeah, Parsons Pars was. He, Pars was uh, he was he was twenty nineteen twenty when I first started, and he was uh, he was a guy I liked to go to have a beer, and we 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 connected, and 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 I ended up playing against him a couple of years in pro, and you know he was a guy that liked having fun and, and liked to laugh and 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 liked to tell stories, and people might say that he didn't like making prank jokes, but he 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 was if he wasn't doing it, he had his mouth in someone's ear to make them do it. What were some of those pranks? I need some Christmas uh, stories here, Linger. No, nah, some of them I can't even say on, on, on video. <laughs> <laughs> that first NHL game you talked about, Montreal-Boston, and once they dropped the puck, the nerves disappeared. Who were you on the ice with? First shift, and you can. It, there's proof that there's proof to that. The, the, the next day in the Gazette, me, I was in behind the net and it was me hitting Ray Bork and it looks like I crush him. But the, if, if you play the video, it, I fall down after and he goes up and <laughs> up into the offensive zone. So <laughs> the picture made me look good. 
you mentioned Ray Bork. Go back to the the OHL. How tough was it as a guy of smaller stature going into like a place like Windsor and taking on Ed Jovanovsky? You know, I ended up. It wasn't new to me. I, I played tier two in, 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 in PEI in, in, you know, I, I, I still would say one of the toughest leagues, even throughout major junior, one of the toughest leagues that I, that I've ever played in. And we, you know, we didn't have visors on. We didn't, uh, my coach was Forby Kennedy, who was original six small tough guy that, you know, made me fight in practice to learn how to do it. And, you know, maybe he better, he should have been a better teacher and I would have won more early, but you know, I, I was fighting my own team in practice at 15, 16 years old. It was just a, a way, not everyone was doing it, but he, he, he had instilled in me that if you're five, nine and you're, you want to play away, you're going to have to learn how to fight. So, you know, I, I, I got it early and, and, and it took, it, it helped, it helped me, helped me when I did move into the OHL and, 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 and get into these big guys. But my first year and, and even looking back into the guys that I fought my first couple of years there was like oh my god like there were some big guys that I had to fight or, or didn't have to fight I, I'm sure I wanted to fight but it was but I, I I did have I did have ways to to you know I would I remember Matt Johnson and Peter Bro he kept coming at me and coming at me and I said I, I can't fight you man I said you're too big and and soon as soon as I said that and his eyes left my eyes I dropped my gloves and smacked him and then you know I got the edge and <laughs> so no one sees it, but that was, you know, kind of jumped him. <laughs> <laughs> That's one name. Who are some of the tougher guys you got to fight? Uh, you know, Bonvi, Stojanov, and Guelph, and you know, Johnson. And I, I, first two years, I fought everybody. Everybody. And, you know, there was, I remember this, Dave LeMay, he wasn't even, uh, he didn't end up being a, but he was playing, and he might have been putting on a Cornwall. And he beat me up. I dropped my gloves. Beat me up. Went went pretty good. Put my head down, and he hit me with a couple uppercuts. The fight was over. We went in the penalty box. I said, "Come on, you got to fight me again." He said, "Sure." Dropped the gloves. Going pretty good. Dropped my head. Couple uppercuts. Wins. Get bad in the penalty box. I said, "You got to fight me one more time." So, penalty was over. We left our gloves and helmet in the in the penalty box. <laughs> Stepped out. Going pretty good. Put my head down and hit me with three uppercuts. Fight was over. Lost all three. <laughs> Linger, you're supposed to learn your lesson. I know, but I didn't. <laughs> uh, you, you, go, ahead. go ahead, Popper. I was just going to say, obviously, um, you mentioned that after being drafted, that might have been the highlight of your career. Where would getting your jersey retired by the Kingston Frontenac, seeing that 17 Ling up there next to, I'm sure, a, a friend of yours, Kelly Corpse? Yeah, Kelly was, uh, you know, not only a friend, but a line mate and, and, and a guy that helped me, you know, get as many points as I did. But, you know, that when, when you get honored like that in, 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 any, in any team or any city where, the, you know, they're, they think that you've showed them enough to, to, to get your jersey retired is, is an honor in itself. And, you know, I, I, I really feel Kingston was in second home. I grew up, I grew up there. I did, uh, you know, a lot of my teenage years in, in Kingston and I, and I, and I do think it was a, a second home and it, it did, uh, and he, for that, it was even a bigger honor just to, to feel like, you know, it was a place that you, I do call home that, that, and I still go back all the time. And, and it, it, it was a real honor watching it, you know, your, your family's there watching the, the Jersey up in the, in the thing. And 
you know, I go back sometimes now and see the jersey or anytime someone goes into the rink, they send me a picture of my jersey up there. So it's, it's, it's an honor that, that, you know, I probably at the time didn't think was as big as, you know, when you reflect back on your career and you, and you realize that, you know, that that could be in the top five moments of my of my career. I'll have you know that when I ask uh, my uncle Steve Barson about his um, top moment of his career, he says getting Corpse and Ling's jersey retired in Kingston because he feels he was part of that. Yeah, he, he, he got he got 30, 35 calls out of it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Linger, that the next time we're in Kingston, we get back to playing some hockey, we're going to snap that picture and send it to you as a guest on this podcast now, right? Yep, for sure. Okay. But just bring it up, Paris, he, he, you, we used to give the puck to him wide, and he could he could go wide and cut to the net like like no one, I even playing pro, no one, but he'd go wide and cut into the net with like no one, no one, no one could do it like he did. Well, we played rec against them uh, a couple of years ago and I'm a goalie. My brother's a forward. And uh, I think the, the cutting to the net has gotten the best of them over the years. I think no goals. I'll leave it at that. No goals. That <laughs> <laughs> wasn't the goaltending either. Good, good goalie or good, bad player. Bad, bad. player. <laughs> I had, I hadn't played in probably two or three years and we go and it's just a beer rec game like beers in the dressing room before beers after and so on. I went out for the warm up and just taking warm up shots. I skated over to the boards. I'm like, my legs, I can't feel my legs. <laughs> just warm up. I was terrible. So out of shape. <laughs> when did you start thinking about the, the transition to life after hockey? So, yeah. So a lot of guys have to do it. Sometimes they wake up the next day and realize that, that the career's over. It, it, I was, um, I was back in Ontario and I was, you know, I was contemplating a couple of times that, you know, this could be it. Or I, I did end up moving back to PEI and work with the government for six months. And I actually reached out to the East Coast League team in Brampton and said, you guys need a guy. Like, I'm, I need I need to get back. I'm missing something. So, And they did. So, I, and I ended up going back and playing. And then the next year, come September, I didn't play. And, I, you know, you, you getting a job and, and you're, and you're thinking about it. And then January comes and they, they want you back. So it almost took me four year process of being able to slowly get it in my brain that it could come to an end. And I'm still not retired. I just don't have a team to play on. <laughs> if, if a call came, would you lace them up? <laughs> <laughs> do, you need a, do you need an agent or over the years are you just game, your own I'm agent game shape i'm game shape <laughs> that's great over, over the years did you become your own agent because of all the connections you made or did you still employ somebody to find a team for you no i you know when i was in europe i did have an agent and you know and but i also in in europe it, it was kind of different because i didn't really sign anything so anyone that came with an offer that I felt was reasonable got to be my agent so and that's that's how it worked but then in in the east coast like when I came back here I didn't need an agent it was just the people that you knew or I you know Colin Chalk I played with in Kingston was coaching one year a couple years and he was a rookie when I was a 19 year old so it was kind of like I got to go and listen to this guy now after I abused him as a rookie but you know we were buddies and, and it was fun as a difficult guy, was that? I'm sure it's happened a couple. Sorry, Mike. I'm sure it's happened a couple times where the coach is maybe even a decade younger than you. Yeah, and it was, it was you know being older and being knowing knowing how it works. There was um, 
everyone knew I was older. Everyone knew that, you know, I, I probably had more experience, but I never, I never put the coach in a position where I looked like I was smarter or talking down to him. I always respected that he was the coach and I was the player. And I think that that's in hockey, that's what you have, you have to do. Like you can't disrespect the coach no matter what the, what the reason it was. And I think that, you know, after, after the meeting that I didn't agree with, I'd go into the office and have a discussion with him and, and give my two cents there, but not in front of guys or not in front of, so you, you know, you're, you're trying to be a, part of for me to come back and play when I was older was to, to help the younger guys and, and kind of show them what, what mentor them throughout with, with questions that they had or more experiences. I knew what the outcome was if you did this or you did that, like, there wasn't much that I didn't do or experience that I didn't know that, you know, that, that, that might not be what you want to do because this is what's going to happen to you. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of that, as a guy that's gone through what you've gone through the, the, the entire process from Ontario hockey league to national hockey league, to all those years in Europe, to transitioning out to, you know, being a professional and, and working in financial services like you do today, what would your advice be to somebody in the Ontario hockey league today, David? It's it, it's funny because I do look at it. Uh, the schooling the schooling part of of, of staying in, in there was a lot of guys in when I did play in the OHL and I know it's different a little bit now that that school wasn't as important. The team made you believe that it was, but if you didn't want to go, you didn't go. I was brought up where if I didn't go, I didn't play. Didn't matter where I was playing, and so I I had to get my high school and I had to get get my marks. But I do think that these guys that are coming out that, you know, don't have a clear cut shot at the NHL and are going to be up and down in the East Coast of the AHL that they should take even the Canadian university route and get an education before, because it's, it's really hard to come out of the game with nothing. You, you don't have, you're usually older, you usually have kids or you have, and you can't go to back to school for four years, even though you back in when you were 20, you said, I'll go to school when I'm done. But life changes and you don't have four years to, take off and make no money and, and, and go to school. So I think that if, 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 if my kids played major junior, they would be going to school and they would, before they ended up going to the, to pro, they, unless it was the NHL, they'd be going to Canadian university. Cause the, I don't, you guys have seen it and these, these coast universities leg is, you know, really, really good hockey. And, and, and a lot of guys go have pretty good pro careers after Joe Ward's, you know, that is an exception, but there's a lot of guys that go on and have good American league and, and East coast league careers in Europe from, from Canadian college. And I think that especially in the, this day and age, I think a lot of the mental health in hockey is due to coming out of the game with no, no real education and no real foundation to, to, to be successful and be, try to be financially secure. Is the hopes for you to have your kids play uh, major junior? Are they into sports? I, you know, I, they, they, they did. I have two boys. They both play hockey, and they're they're um, they're they're good. They love it, but uh, I, I I don't think. But the the smiles on their face on how much they love the game is 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 what I like watching. You know, they 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 get asked if they want daddy's help, and sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. But they but they love they love playing. Wonder where they got that love of the game from. Yeah, <laughs> Do you have I, guess, a... I guess it's contagious. 
Do you have a trophy room or anything that you show you – do know, you play them old YouTube clips? You, you mentioned a picture before that was in the Gazette after your game in Montreal, body-checking Ray Borg. I don't have to. My kids – I don't have to. My kids find it all. They, they, that's why you have to be so careful now because they, they Google your name and everything's popping up. And so it's, you have to be politically correct a lot of times on, on air. How do you think your career would have changed in Kingston if there was social media? No comment. <laughs> that's the safest answer. <laughs> oh, Linger, this has been a lot of fun. Really appreciate you doing it. Yeah, no, I have fun talking. And anytime you want to do it again, feel free. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. Had all, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.